are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. But I am thankful to be in the Lord's house. I'm excited about this series that we started last week on spiritual gifts that we have called Gifted. And that is because we understand that the spiritual gifts are available to all of us. And we look to the Word of God to tell us what we need to know. Um, When we read 1 Corinthians 12 last week, um, Paul opens his teaching by saying, I don't want you to be uninformed about the gifts, people. And what a confidence we can take in that, that what we understand about the spiritual gifts should come from Scripture. And once again, um, I have the book with me. We are using the book Spiritual Gifts by David K. Bernard. I have it with me if you'd like to look over it, familiarize yourself with it, but I highly recommend it. And so last week, we started um, our lesson by looking into the Greek word, one of the Greek words, for uh, the word gift in 1 Corinthians 12. And for extra credit, um, the word was charisma, and we get our word charisma, but I told you that's not what that word actually means. That's not uh, what I was going for. According to the verse, it, was, it means something in English very different. Does anybody remember what that word was? Grace. Boy, five points again, Sarah. You got Dinglehopper last week. I remember that. Okay. Very good. So it is worth noting that right away Paul uses a word to describe the gifts that establishes the fact that it is given to us by the grace of God. Amen. It is God's kindness to us. It is his ability working in our lives through his spirit in our lives that makes the gifts a part of us and who we are. And one of the things we tried to establish last week is that knowing something's purpose spiritual or otherwise, knowing its purpose is vital for us to understand how to use it, to use it to its full potential. And we understand from Paul's teaching that God is the one who assigns the gifts. I want to look again at 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 that says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for what? The common good. It is unbiblical to treat the gifts as something reserved for the spiritual elite. Because the purpose of the gifts is inclusion, not exclusion. There are a lot of people out there who view them in a way that is clearly outside of Scripture. Because it's not for a holy few and everybody else has to go along. No, Paul talks very specifically to say... They come from God and nowhere else. They're a manifestation of God's grace, which is for everybody, right? And these gifts are available and can operate in anyone who is filled with the Spirit of God. And according to Dr. Bernard, the author of our book, everyone who is filled with the Spirit can potentially operate in any of the gifts. Think about that. Each individual should be open to any manifestation that God chooses. And that's where it kind of gets tricky on our end. Because if we're honest, we're open maybe to certain gifts and not the others as far as our involvement in them is concerned. 
All right? So why? Why should we be open? Why should we feel this way about the gifts when maybe our experience hasn't been great? Maybe our experience has been this idea that it's only a few people that God uses in this way. We desire the spiritual gifts simply because that's what the Bible says we should do. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, Paul says, But earnestly desire the higher gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. It's so important that Paul repeats it. You should pray that the gifts are in operation in your life. You should pray that God would use you in that way. It's not something to fear. And so last week we ended with some ground rules from Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 12. And as I was praying and reflecting about this lesson, um, I had a couple of funny stories come to my mind that I do feel comfortable sharing in this setting. And the Lord will help me to keep everybody anonymous. Um, (laughs) But let me begin by saying these stories did not take place in this assembly. Okay, so I'm not going to tell any of those stories, but I probably have some under the right circumstances I would share, but not from this pulpit. So I'm going to tell a story that uh, a friend of mine told me when I was a student at IBC um, many moons ago. uh, One of the discussions among my peers uh, was uh, telling stories of crazy things that had happened in our home churches. Has anybody had a discussion like that? You compare notes, you know, the archives of church history. Do you remember when so-and-so did this or said that word accidentally? You know, we've had plenty of them in the last 50 years. We've had some doozies. So there's no shame in saying, yeah, I've talked about Calvary and what's happened here. Absolutely. Um, But that's just part of who we are. I'm just going to take that opportunity to say it. Um, Bishop Granddad and Bishop Grandma had just a natural inclination to the hysterical, and hilarious things happened to them. They were just, Sister Marilyn's nodding, they were happy people, they were hilarious people, and um, even if you didn't know them, well, most of you knew their son, and that was clearly passed on through the generations, and so, you know, I did have some scenarios I could have shared that day having grown up in this church, but I did not. So my, my friend, who was a, a fellow uh, pastor's kid, said, oh, I, I've got some. I bet, I bet I could one-up you on that. I'm like, okay. He said, well, we went through a period of time when I was a kid that my dad shut down the gifts. And I was like, what does that even mean? Shut down the gift? <laughs> no gifts till further notice. And so I was very intrigued because I knew his dad and I considered him to be a very spiritual person, somebody who who is very open and would teach on these things. And so he said, well, I'll give you a couple of examples that happened within a period of months. I said, okay. So he said the the first uh, instance was a Sunday morning service and a message in tongues was given. And they waited and an interpretation was given that said... I, the Lord, would like to wish the pastor a very happy birthday. (laughs) Okay. Again, we'll go back to those uh, guidelines we talked about, because this kind of bears the point. 
So then the other example he gave me, and so help me God, if, if I'm lying, I'm dying, it was about the 1980s, and the message in tugs went forth on a glorious Sunday morning in this big church. And they waited, and surely an interpretation was given that said, Thus saith the Lord, the Russians are coming. And even I, the Lord, am afraid. So again, we look to scripture to verify that things are accurate. And so needless to say, I think the pastor did well to say, no more gifts. We're done for right now. And he did some teaching and then they were reestablished in that congregation. So um, uh, just a humorous introduction to reemphasize some of our ground rules that we went over last week. That number one, the ultimate purpose of gifts is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, not an individual, not even the pastor. All right. The second purpose is to benefit the body as a whole. Again, not just a specific individual. All right. I want to give you a quote again by Brother Bernard when he said, The immediate purpose of the supernatural gifts is to edify or build up the church. That's why they're there. Now, the spiritual gifts are not meant to replace the word of God. Amen? Or misquote the word of God. It is not biblical to say that the Lord is afraid of something. That's ridiculous. Okay, that was not from God. And finally, the spiritual gifts do not replace spiritual leadership in the church. Remember, one of the key verses that we highlighted last week was 1 Corinthians 14.33 that says, God is not the author of confusion, but he is the God of peace. Because God has never contradicted himself. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that reassuring that he doesn't forget what he said or he goes back on his word? No, it is forever settled in heaven. And that's why we can have confidence that the use of the gifts will not result in chaos in the church. And if it does, shut her down. We got to teach. We got to fix it. All right. And that's what we're here for. The supernatural gifts do not replace daily guidance From God that we receive through prayer and submission of our hearts, our minds, and our wills to the Lord. Remember, we said last week, they are not a free pass. They're not a get-out-of-jail-free card that says, you don't have to pray. You don't have to fast. You don't have to listen to your pastor. You don't need the word taught and preached to you because we got the gifts. No, no. One complements the other. All of them are meant to work together to make sure You hear the word of the Lord, and you get confirmation for it in your life. And so now, as we get into this next segment, I want to give you some additional guidelines concerning the gifts because there was just so much good content uh, that Dr. Bernard shares, and I I wanted to give this to you, and I encourage you to to take note of them. Um, Looking at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, Paul talks about the best gifts. Um, Different translations use different words, but uh, for the purpose of this statement, the best gift can vary depending on the circumstances. So when we read that verse, Paul is not saying that certain gifts are better than others, okay? 
It's very important that we understand that. What Paul seems to imply, because he doesn't identify what the best gifts are specifically, what Paul is saying is, what is the best gift for the situation at hand? What is the one that is most necessary? What is the one that is most helpful to the need that's being presented? Amen. The next one, as needs arise, we can believe and pray for specific gifts. I've done that in a service. I'm sure you've experienced that at the end of a message where you feel that silence settle on a congregation. And if that isn't a supernatural manifestation of God's power, I don't know what is. Where God can solemnly arrest a group of people's attention and everyone is on the same page to say something is about to happen. God is getting ready to speak. The next thing is the exercise of the gifts is not necessarily a sign of spiritual maturity. So take that excuse out of your your pile of why you can't be used or why, you know, you should be used. No, it's not really an indication of your maturity. Remember, Paul is writing to a younger church, a church made up of Gentiles or for our purposes, a church made up of new converts People that have just received the Holy Spirit not too long ago. And clearly, God is operating among them because Paul's like, I need to do some teaching because some things are getting out of control. um, Next, humility is vital in the exercise of all spiritual gifts and abilities. Because the only way that we can find the willingness to do some of these things is through total brokenness and yieldedness to the Spirit of God. And that's why it's not uncommon for a person who gives a message in tongues to be weeping while they're giving that message. Why? Because there's total surrender. They are overwhelmed by how the Spirit of God is resting on them in that moment. Isn't that powerful to think about that? Next, the gifts have no value unless they are operated in love. It is not some random coincidence that the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is right in between all of this teaching that Paul does about the spiritual gifts. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Finally, on this particular list of additional guidelines, the gifts of the Spirit are subject to the control of the user. The good book says the gift of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And so let that be an assurance to you that God is not going to just take over your mouth and your mind. God has always only operated in our lives since the beginning of time by permission. And that's why sometimes we're waiting and nothing is happening. And that's not to criticize anybody. I'm sure I've been that person and I just didn't realize it was me for whatever reason. Or maybe I was afraid. Actually, that did happen to me one time. Kate was there and dad called me out and he said, Chris, you've got it. And I was like, okay. And I gave it, but I did not give it right away. (laughs) So because it was subject to me as the person that God was trying to use. Another quote from Dr. Bernard, it is never God's will for a person to use these gifts in a way that is harsh, 
destructive, condemning, manipulative, intimidating, or disruptive in any way. I want you to just zero in on that statement for a second. Because more than likely, you have probably seen some of that in some measure with the gifts of the Spirit. But it is not God's will. And just because that's been our experience doesn't mean it's what God had in mind. All right? And that's why we're doing these these series. So tonight, we're going to continue by looking at the first three um, in these uh, gifts. They're not listed in a particular order, but rather we're looking at them in terms of a category. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. There it is. It's totally inclusive. Amen. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right, so tonight we want to look briefly at the gifts of revelation, which are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Okay, so again, we're not doing them in the order of 1 Corinthians 12, so don't let that upset you or frustrate you, okay? This is one category, gifts of revelation. So the first one, the word of wisdom. The word for wisdom here is the one that we're most familiar with. It has to do with understanding something. It has to do with common sense and good judgment. And so no doubt many of us are familiar with the difference between knowledge and wisdom. But for the sake of clarity, let's just look at it in this context. Knowledge is an understanding or an awareness of the facts. What are the facts? Just the facts, ma'am. All right? However... Wisdom involves insight into a situation that leads us to sound judgment and guidance. Wisdom is beyond the facts that we have a greater insight than just what has been presented to us. And so in this chapter, Paul is saying that God gives wisdom specific to a situation. He is not saying, hear me now, he is not saying That those who God would use in the gift of wisdom have the sum of all of God's wisdom operating in them at that time. Okay? It's not this carte blanche like we talked about last week. I have the gift of wisdom 
And that's me. That's who I am. That's all I have. And God is giving me all of it. No. Nothing like that. All right? Actually, quite the opposite. The, wis- the wisdom that comes from this spiritual gift, you could say, is for the moment. It's for the situation. It's for the question at hand. A great example of this in Scripture is the story of Paul's voyage to Rome in Acts 27. If you remember, Paul was a prisoner on the ship. And remember, he talked to the, uh, I believe the Bible calls him a Roman centurion who actually owned the ship. And remember, he approached him and he said, I don't think it's a good idea to sail today. Do you remember that? And we know that Paul wasn't a fisherman by trade. And so whatever Paul was thinking or feeling in that moment was not based on what the sky looked like, what the sea was doing. It was an inclination. It was insight, however you want to describe it, that Paul had in that moment. And he was right. How do we know? Because the ship was destroyed by a storm, which means they sailed anyway. They didn't listen to Paul. Because Paul had insight into that current situation, didn't he? Yes, he did. This obvious operation in the gift of wisdom did not mean that Paul operated in it 24 hours a day for the rest of his life. No, because of that particular need and the circumstance that he was in, God gave him insight for that time. And so today I am confident that there are people in this room You have had such an experience. Now, it may have nothing to do with, you know, the Doppler radar or anything like that. It probably wasn't weather-related. But I am sure that somebody you know had a change of heart at the last minute for some reason. They decided not to leave on that particular day. Or you got a phone call that said, you know what, I, I don't really know what this means, but I just cannot get away from the fact that I feel like I need to tell you this. That is the gift of wisdom in operation in our lives. In fact, I just want to ask you, would you be willing to raise your hand? Has anybody had an experience like that where somebody spoke to you and they gave you insight that you were not expecting? Raise your hand. There's no shame. I'm going to ask this two more times. I'll just get used to it. Okay. All right. So lots of people have had experience with this gift of wisdom for a particular situation. I think about the process that we've gone through in the last few years with the Bishop Center. It was a long ordeal. It continues to kind of be long, right? And we could be frustrated, and we have been, with the process. But that is a perfect example of what happens when the Spirit of God moves through individuals in a spirit of wisdom between Bishop Dad, Pastor Tom, Delano Shirley, our board of directors, who God gave insight to them at critical moments to tell us, don't do anything right now. And they all agreed in a board meeting, we're not going to do anything. Or we're going to do this and nothing else. That was the spirit of wisdom guiding this church. Isn't that amazing to think that that representing our future over there is a testament to the fact that these gifts work. They work and they're for our good. And my goodness, if that doesn't glorify God, I don't know what else does. Amen. The enemy will always twist God's plan. If you haven't picked up on that yet. And when he does, the result is always the opposite of God's original design. 
Satan would love for you and I to be afraid of the gifts. He works very hard to make sure that you're either afraid of them or you're not open to them. Because God wants you to be empowered by them. God wants you to have peace that results from God speaking to you in those ways in your life. The second one is the word of knowledge. Again, the word knowledge here is the word that we're most familiar with. It has to do with familiarity and awareness and understanding gained through experience or study. And this means that as it relates to the supernatural gift of knowledge, the information that is given to the individual at the time does not receive it by natural means. Isn't that exciting? Yes, it is. Another person may know this stuff for a fact. But the person in the situation doesn't. And God gives them that knowledge because they need it in the moment. I know that my dad prayed for this gift on a regular basis when all of us were teenagers. And he used to threaten us to say, you better tell me. Because if you don't tell me what I need to know, the Holy Ghost will tell me. And that was disturbing. Because then you're like between a rock and a hard place, Kate, to decide, do I just want to tell him or do I want the Lord to tell him? I don't know. That was a no-win situation. And now I say those things to my girls and I see their eyes get big and I'm like, yes, this is awesome. But again, this is not the sum of all of God's knowledge. I have all of God's knowledge. I have the gift of knowledge. No, no. God imparts it to us when we need it. All right? It is a portion of God's knowledge. A great example of this in Scripture is Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. You talk about crazy things happening in the early days of the church. So this married couple sells a piece of property and lies to the disciples. Why? I don't know. It's so stupid. And it costs them their lives. They bring an offering that is supposedly all of the profit of the sale of this piece of real estate. And Peter says, why have you lied to the Holy Ghost? Now, how did Peter know that? The gift of knowledge, people. The Spirit of God told him in a moment what he needed to know. And it ended up two people lay dead on the floor. I don't know. Don't mess with the gift of knowledge. All right. Um, This has happened to me a few times. Nobody died as a result. Thank you, Lord. But um, most recently, it happened to me about three weeks ago. I was in a service, and I really felt like the Lord was talking to me in a very specific way. And frankly, it was a little overwhelming to me what the Lord was saying to me. And I prayed, Lord, I need you to confirm this to me. I need you to say this again so that I know it's you and not me getting crazy up here. And so help me, God, I am still praying. It was not even three minutes later. Someone stood in front of me, laid their hand on my head, and answered me as if they heard what I had just said. Used the very words that I had used in my prayer. And that gives me chills when I think about it. And it doesn't glorify me. It doesn't glorify that individual at all. It is a beautiful picture of the grace of God to me. 
to say, Kristen, I acknowledge the fact that you need a confirmation about this right now. And the grace of God operating through that individual who's just flesh like me to say, God, here's your prayer. And I'm willing to step out in faith and say, this is what the Lord wants you to know right now. Amen. Don't you want to receive a gift like that? Don't you want to give a gift like that to somebody? I sure do. And then number three, the big one, the one you're probably most excited to hear what I have to say about discerning of spirits. All right. Now I have your attention. I would guess that, um, you know, you've probably had uh, some example of this in some way. You've witnessed someone who thought they had it. Maybe they did have it. I'm not sure. My father-in-law says some people have the gift of suspicion. It's not discernment. It's suspicion. And there is a difference. But discernment is a disclosure from God. God gives you the inside track. But again, it's not a revelation of all the mind of God. I've heard people kind of make that claim very indirectly. That is not what discernment is. It's not suspicion. It's not superstition, even. Brother Wonder, no, no superstition. Discernment means keenness of insight and judgment. And so this is what you need to know about discernment and how it works. There are three possible causes or sources of a spiritual activity. And uh, if you're taking notes, I wish you would write these down. The first one is God and his angels. The second one is the devil and his demons. And the third one is the human spirit or flesh. And so through this gift, we are able to understand which one has motivated an action. This gift also helps us identify the type of spirit that underlies certain actions okay this is incredibly important to us when we're praying about something right because Romans 8 26 and 27 sometimes we don't know what to pray for the spirit makes intercession for us but the spirit can also give us this gift of discernment that even while you're praying you start praying differently because the spirit of God is nudging you to say pray this way Pray against this spirit. I know some people even get like a a visual. God gives them a vision about what they're praying towards. A few uh, weeks ago in the lesson I did on a study in purple talking about Lydia, there's a great example of this in Acts chapter 16. We talked about that precious slave girl that was demon-possessed, and she kept following Paul around and saying, these men are from God, these men are from God. And Paul turns around so irritated, the Bible says, and casts the devil out of her. Now, when you read that at first, you're like, that is way harsh, Paul. Good Lord. It's not her fault. She's possessed. But Paul had discernment in the moment to realize this is not some sweet, innocent girl preparing the way for the gospel to be preached. This is a demonic spirit, and if I don't identify it and cast it out, what God wants to do in this area is completely discredited because all the people there knew she was possessed. 
And so if Paul had acted like it was okay, then he would have been immediately discredited to them. They would have thought, this guy doesn't even know a demon when he meets one. No. And so because of that discernment, Paul casts that spirit out. How many of you have known things were not as they seemed? Raise your hand. You just knew. There was no good reason to not trust this individual based on what you saw. But something spoke to you. Some people can call it an intuition. Especially if you're a mom, a maternal instinct, if you will. Whatever you call it, that's what discernment is. That in a moment, God's spirit within you can tell you that something is not what it appears to be. And again, this gift, all of these gifts that we've talked about tonight, operate in specific times of need They do not operate among us all the time. That would be too much if you think about it. That would just be a whole lot of stuff happening at one time. And so God gives the gift of knowledge when we need it. God gives the gift of wisdom to us when we need it. God gives us discernment of spirits in the moment that we need it. And so we don't treat it superstitiously to say, Ooh, what's God going to tell me now? I need to know. Tell me right now. I'm looking through the crowd. God, tell me what I need to know. Now, we can relax in any setting and be confident that if I need to know something, if I need to share a word of wisdom with you, Tammy, I can be confident even if I don't even know what she's going to ask me. Because I've got spirit in me, Tammy, I can trust that the Lord will give me a word of wisdom for her. Not because I'm special, but because Tammy needs it. Right? And in situations with your kids, you don't know everything about their friends. You don't know everything about what goes on in that home or whatever. I remember there were times growing up where I would ask to go somewhere and my parents would say, no. And I could not think of one good reason. They were believers, I thought. And I would argue and argue. And they would say, you know what, it doesn't matter. We don't feel good about it. And my dad would even say, the Holy Ghost told me no. And I learned to just, okay, can't argue with that. And thank God, because only God knows what he's trying to protect us from. Only God knows the things he's trying to protect other people from when he shares that information with us. And so now it's app time. All right, and I want you to find somebody around you, and it can be more than two people. Please make sure everyone has someone to talk to. And this is your question tonight. Has God ever used you in one of these gifts? All right, don't don't freak out. It's really okay. Talking about it, trying to normalize it for everybody. So find somebody, tell them what gift it was and what it was like. When you were used in that way. All right, here we go.
Amen. All right. You could just conclude your discussion. Um, and I'll invite you to stand with me as we finish this second lesson on gifted. I mentioned to you uh, very briefly at the beginning that the significance of 1 Corinthians 13 in the context of the spiritual gifts, it's, in very, it's very important, it's very helpful that we see that. You know, especially if you've been in church for a long time, we assign verses to specific situations. And, and that is good and well. We should be informed in that way. But part of the miraculous power of the Word of God is that it can add revelation in a way you've never seen it before. You, you've had that experience where you've heard that verse since you were a child, and all of a sudden it means something totally different to you. And so I want to uh, finish tonight by reading 1 Corinthians 13. And I want you to understand and focus your attention because I know you're going to think of, you know, maybe your spouse or you're going to think about um, the idea of being kind to people, all the ways we've used 1 Corinthians 13. But we do well to acknowledge the fact that when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, there were no chapters. Okay? So this whole idea of the importance of love was right in the middle of talking about the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discernment of spirits, faith, miracles, healings. And if you pay attention, you're actually, Paul's going to talk about, he's going to say things about prophecy. He's going to say things about faith. Why? Because he's talking about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 13. So in closing, I want to read it together. Verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. For tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And that's why we understand that love is what guides us when we're trying to decide 
Is this from God? Does this glorify the Lord? Does this build up the church? Does this help an individual that I feel to share something with? And if the answer is yes, then most likely that's the work of the Spirit in your life. And so I would ask you this week to read this chapter again. To read 1 Corinthians 13 with the spiritual gifts in mind. Because I think that it opens up our heart. There's something about talking about love and God's love working in our lives. That opens us up to this idea of saying, God, I'll be totally yielded to you in a moment to help somebody else. To build up your church. To bring glory to your name so that people that don't even believe in you or know who you are will be touched in their heart to say, I think God just spoke to me. Because it's not about making me look good. It's not about the risk of me being wrong or looking weird. It's about directing people to God's love that will never fail them. The Bible says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but let each esteem another better than themselves to prefer one another. And that, my friend, is what the spiritual gifts are all about. Let's pray together. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for the strength of your word, God, the clarity that comes, just talking about it, just reading it out loud, there is such a peace that settles over us to realize that everything that we need, all the questions that we have, the difficulties that we find ourselves faced with, even unexpectedly in the day-to-day, Lord, you have already made allowance to give us what we need You gave us everything that we need, Lord, when you filled us with the Holy Spirit. And so, God, I pray that as this word is sown during these next two weeks, that it would continue to find good ground in our hearts, hearts that are open to say, Lord, not my will, but your will. God, use me in whatever way you see fit. Lord, I am open. I pray and desire the gifts because they glorify you and they help your church. Keep us safe the rest of the week, Lord. Guide our steps. Encourage us, prompt us, Lord, to share your truth and your love with other people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.